Amen. If you love your pastors, would you just tell them, amen. Come on, you can do better than that. If you love this first family, amen. Yeah, we're, missing, uh, we're missing Bishop tonight, but his better half is here. And anytime she's on the, on the property, everything's under control. Amen. Amen. Remain standing with me just for a minute. Get your Bibles. We're going to go right into the Word tonight. I'm excited to be here. And uh, I have been on the road for a couple of weeks. And uh, tomorrow night, oh, brother, I hope your folks are ready. Because we're, we're, coming, we're coming down to, uh, is it Mc... Say it. Kenton, Ohio, tomorrow night. Amen. That's down by where, sort of in the direction of Columbus, isn't it? No? I mean, I lived in Columbus for 12 years, so. But uh, such a pleasure to be here. Always is. I only believe. I always feel like I leave uh, more full of faith. Uh, I always sit in front of Bishop. You know, my favorite 10 minutes is the 10 minutes when I get on the property and sit in front of his desk. And for about 10 minutes, he just releases faith just look down at your feet look up here at me amen you're standing in the house that faith built does anybody say amen <laughs> hallelujah and it is always a pleasure to be here to minister to you and to worship with you turn your bible acts chapter 27 i'm just going to read a couple of verses of scripture and we're going to jump in to the word tonight I always feel like when I come here <clears throat> that God gives me a word for the house. And I believe that to be the case tonight. But I really feel like God has sent me tonight to some individuals. And I feel like sometimes when we're in church, we hide in the crowd. Tonight is no time for you to hide in the crowd. Amen? Amen. I feel like God is really going to speak a word of healing, a new beginnings in somebody's life in this house tonight. Anybody ready for, for a new beginning? Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 27. I just want to catch a few verses. I, I'm, I'm going to steal some verses all the way through the chapter. But let me skip to verse 41. Acts 27 and verse 41. I want to say before I begin reading, it's good to have four of my young lions with me tonight and uh, they're a blessing to travel with their pastor and take good care of me it's good to have all of you tonight i love you amen verse 41 and falling into a place where two seas met they ran the ship aground and the four parts stuck fast and remained unmovable but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim could, uh, should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. Verse 44, and the rest, some on boards, and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. 
I want to talk just for a minute tonight on the subject, when the storm is over. Father, we ask you the next few minutes to open our hearts to speak to us tonight by your word. Let a new season begin in somebody tonight. Somebody that's cried tears in the midnight. Somebody that has suffered. Somebody that has had pain in their lives. I got good news for you because there's a new season about to take place in your life. If you're ready, say amen. Now just turn to two or three people and say, there is life when the storm is over. Hallelujah. Come on, tell them, there is life when the storm is over. Amen. You may be seated. I think, I think oftentimes that when we're walking through difficult moments, that we feel like we're always going to be walking through difficult moments. When we're suffering pain, we get an outlook and a perspective that that pain is always going to be there. And so then we begin the business of adjusting our lives to live with what the Bible has absolutely given us dominion over. Amen. I want to tell you tonight, you don't have to live with it. You don't have to suffer with it. Amen. You don't have to stand it any longer. I believe there comes a moment where the storms of our life come to an end. Can somebody shout amen? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says there's a time for seasons. There's a time for living and a time for dying. There's a time for storms and then there's a time for the sun to come out. And I believe that tonight I feel the Holy Ghost in this house that somebody's time for joy Hallelujah. Somebody's time for peace has come. Just touch your neighbor and say, your time has come. Come on, touch your neighbor and tell him your time has come. Weeping endures for a night, but I want to shout for somebody. Joy has to show up. Uh, hallelujah. I feel it. Joy's got to show up in the morning. Amen. Pain, if you're a note taker, let me give you your first note. Are you ready? Pain is not an adversary. Pain only suggests that an adversary exists. Oftentimes in our life when pain comes, pain becomes the focus. I want to tell you that when you're walking through a storm, a painful time and period, a struggle, a resistance sent against your life, you... You can't afford to focus on the resistance. You can't afford to focus on the pain. Then your life comes about what's happening to you instead of what he did for you. My life is not about what's happening to me. I may be sitting in a prison cell, but the word is not bound. Talk to me, somebody. I may be walking through a painful situation in my life, but that does not mean that I am not blessed and highly uh-huh, I'm talking to people that know a little bit about favor, amen. Just because you are walking through the midnight does not mean that that's what your life is all about. Jesus paid for a whole lot more than for you to be focusing on your midnight. It's time for you to lift up your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help because your help is coming from the Lord. I feel somebody's help coming in this house. I feel somebody's healing coming in this house. I feel somebody's joy about to show up in this house. 
Amen. You know this story in, in Acts 27. Paul is on his way to be tried. He is walking in purpose. It was the purpose of the Lord for him to get to stand in front of Caesar. That was the purpose of God. In fact, as you can see it in this chapter, uh, God talks to Paul and he says, listen, this is not your night to die. I got purpose for you. You're going to get... Uh, to the, to, you're going to stand before Caesar, absolutely. You're, you're going to get there. Listen, when God gives you a word of purpose over your life, don't let the storm that comes derail you from what you know God has called you to do. If you know that God has called you and sent you and anointed you, let the winds blow, let the rains fall. I know that tonight's not my last night, that there's life after the storm is over. Pastor, how do you know it? Because I've still got purpose out in front of me. I'm not finished yet. Hallelujah. And so we start the story. Let me, let me begin let me begin up in verse number 10. Paul knows that this is about to be a bumpy journey. And he says to the captain and the crew, he says, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt and with much damage. Don't you wish that somebody would have sat you down early in your life and looked at you and said, Hey, sweetheart, let me tell you something. This is going to hurt a little. Don't you wish that a marriage counselor would have set you down? Who am I talking to? And said, now listen, little buckaroo, just so you know, this is going to hurt a little bit. Don't you wish that your pastor very early on in your Christian experience would have set you down and gave you some counsel that this, this may hurt a little. Amen. We're going to go through some stuff. We're going to suffer some nights full of pain. We're going to walk through some storms, but that does not mean that you do not have purpose in your life. You can't let pain destroy your purpose. I feel like preaching to somebody in here that has allowed pain to change your perspective concerning the purpose that God has for your life. Amen. We know that rain's going to fall. We know that storms are going to come. We know that we're going to suffer through a few midnight hours with tears falling down our cheeks. But we also know that weeping only endures for the night. We also know that he shows up for us right on time. Amen. This is going to hurt a little. Amen. I think we need to be can I just pep talk for a minute? Is that okay? We, I think we need to be tougher as believers. Amen. Just kind of push your shoulders back a little bit. I said I think we need to be a little tougher as believers. We were called to be soldiers. I said we were called to be soldiers. But you watch believers all the time as long as the sun's shining and the blessing and the favor of God is on their life, they can keep their praise. But the minute things start going the other way, the minute that they face any little bit of resistance, they take their ball and go home. Shame on us 
for not standing up under the weight. Shame on us for not putting on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and take the sword of the Spirit and the shoes of peace and stand and believe God every step of the way. Hallelujah. Amen. We, we take pain as evidence that we're not walking in our purpose. Nothing could be further from the truth. Amen. We take resistance as some sign that we're not where we, we need to be. Shame on us. Oftentimes the devil knowing how we respond to pain will send pain. But understand, pain is a valuable teacher if you allow it to teach you. Pain is a valuable teacher. And all resistance in your life spiritually develops faith. Faith is developed against resistance. We want to be faith dynamos. We want to move mountains. We want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We want to ask God for things and watch them appear in our life. But we don't understand how faith is developed in our life. Amen. Faith is developed against resistance. Just, just like, you, you know... Lift, lifting weights, like, like Ivan over here. He's a police officer in our city. He's all in shape, you know, and, and all fit. And, and he's working out every day. You, you don't get muscles like that unless you train against resistance. The more resistance you train against, the more developed your faith will become. You may not have known it, but the storm, oh, I feel something in here. The storm that you're walking through may just be developing the faith that you need to live on your next level. You ought to thank God. Oh, thank you, Lord, for trusting me with this thing. Knowing that it's developing faith in my life. Paul said, this is going to hurt a little. Amen. Just smile back at me. All the way back. You, this group over here, y'all pray for them. Right over here. Y'all smile at me. Faith is developed against resistance. Paul said, this is going to hurt a little. Amen. Every once in a while, things are going to happen in our life that are painful and difficult for us to endure. Amen. But they jumped on the boat. They headed out. They're on their way to Rome, sailing the high seas. But the Bible says, verse 14, not long after there arose against the ship a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. Boy, that's a name of a storm right there. Hallelujah. If I've ever heard one. Now you know that you're walking through a real storm when they give it a name. Oh, hallelujah. I was preaching in Florida last week and they hadn't had, had rain in months. They'd been talking to me the first couple days of the meeting about how it hadn't rained. Well, I'm telling you, the storm clouds rolled in and it started pouring down the rain. I'm talking you couldn't even see outside. And it rained and it rained like I had never seen in my life. I mean, I was a little skittish, you know. I'm not from Florida. I thought a monsoon had come. I thought, Lord, have mercy. I done come down here in the wrong time. Amen. But you know what? I, I noticed they didn't name that, that little shower. I mean, I looked on the news and everything. They didn't name it. That was just a pop-up. It, it was just a pop-up to them. 
Amen. You know you're walking through a storm when they give it a name. I want to preach and tell somebody in here, the devil made a mistake when he named your storm. Hallelujah. He should have left it unnamed. He never should have put a name to it because my Bible says that he hath given him a name that is above every name, that at the sounding of that name, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, when the devil gave your storm a name, it was registered in the heavenlies. And know this, whatever name it has is beneath the name of Jesus. I declare that name over you tonight. I declare it over you tonight. The wonderful name of Jesus. You know what names inspire? Fear. Fear. The story of David and Goliath, I love this story. I loved it even more when I had kids. I remember my mom and dad telling us, you know, the, the Bible nighttime stories of the greats of the faith. Man, I've told, I've told David and Goliath more times than you could count. But you know what amazes me about this story? There were men... Thousands upon thousands of men in the army of Israel who had never seen Goliath. They had never laid eyes on him personally. But his name came with a certain level of fear. They had heard the stories about how tall he was, about how long his spear was, about how many men it took to carry his shield. And before they ever laid eyes on him personally, they were too afraid to fight. That's exactly how we get in the body of Christ. The doctor names our sickness and all of a sudden we can't see anything but, but death. Uh, we, we, something happens in our marriage or in our finances and they give it a name. And all of a sudden it inspires fear. You know what I want to do tonight? I want to lift the name of Jesus so high for you that you forget the name that has inspired the fear in your life. The devil shouldn't have named your storm because you're coming out of it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just tell your neighbor you're coming out of it in the name of Jesus. Come on, declare it over him. You're coming out of it in the name of Jesus. But pastor, you don't know how long I've been dealing with this thing. It doesn't matter the duration. Every storm has to have an end. Amen. Every storm. So they had a... They had a storm appear, Eurachlodon. That just sounds scary, don't it? Look at verse number 15. The ship was caught, couldn't bear up against the wind. Watch this. All the men take note. So we let her drive. Where's my men at? You're in bad shape when you let her drive. It's just a joke, ladies. I have a wife, too. You know you are feeling out of control by who you let drive. 
The minute you start allowing your storm to drive your life, it will always move you in a direction of defeat instead of victory. I know people in my life personally, they get in the middle of a storm and all of a sudden now the storm is directing their vessel. And instead of moving towards God in crisis, they move away from God in crisis and they end up in worse shape than they were to begin with. I want to shout and tell you, stop allowing your circumstances to drive and navigate your vessel and put God back in the captain's seat and say, Lord, wherever you lead me, I will Amen. We have to vow to stop allowing our circumstances to navigate our lives. Amen. Stop allowing our situations, our dark nights persist when we allow them to begin to navigate our vessel. Amen. God has to be the captain of our ship. I said God has to be the captain of our ship. We got to put him in charge of our emotions, first of all. We got to get God in charge of our emotions because when we get emotional, we make decisions that push us away from victory and toward defeat. You get emotional. We always make bad decisions when we're in our emotions. Amen. Amen. We make bad choices. We get caught in the midst of a storm. We feel out of control. And then all of a sudden, our storm takes over and begins to navigate our life. Now watch, watch what happened. Look down to verse 18. They were tossed with the tempest, so the next day... They lightened the ship. You know, it's amazing to me the stuff you find out that you can live without when you're in the midst of a storm. Oh, talk to me, somebody. Listen, there's some stuff you thought you were in love with that you could never let go of, but the minute you get in the middle of a situation, you get in the middle of a storm, you, you, listen, you'll find out the stuff you can live without. There's been some people I thought, man, I, I couldn't stand life without these people in my life. But the minute I went through a storm, I found out. Amen. Just look at your neighbor and do this as kind as humanly possible. Just say, Am I, well, you better not say that. You might be sitting next to your husband. That wouldn't be good. Just put your hand on your belly. And I want you to think about that thing that you know you've held on tightly to. And just hear yourself say it out loud. I can live without you. Come on, say it like you mean it. I can live without you. I can live without you. It's amazing. You know, sometimes, just sometimes, God allows you to get in the storm so that some of the stuff you would never get rid of on your own. Some stuff you would never choose to throw overboard. He waits till you get in the storm and then makes it look like it was your idea all the time. Because 
That's the only way he can get it out of your life. Oh, you've been praying, God, get me out of this storm. And God says, are you kidding? I got you there. It's taken me a lot of time to get you right where I've got you so that you can lighten your ship because you can't receive what I want to give you while you're so heavy laden. Some of us have got stuff on board that we'll never receive our miracle until we get it overboard. You got some stuff in your life that you'll never receive what you're begging God for until you get in the midst of a storm and find out you can live without it and get it overboard. Hallelujah. Amen. What? Let me just ask you. What is God waiting on you to throw overboard? Amen. Think about it. What is God waiting for you to throw overboard? It just might be that God allowed you to get right where you got. Now understand, God never sent any life a storm. He doesn't have storms, therefore he can't send them. But you know what he does is he allows things to transpire in our life to better position us to walk out our purpose. And some of it we didn't know anything about. He was just gently nudging us with the storms of our life into the direction of our purpose. Some of you would have never been sitting in this building tonight if it, oh, I feel that, if it had not been for a storm that took your vessel by surprise. Amen. You'd have continued to live your life the way you wanted to live your life, but it was a storm that pushed you in the direction of your purpose and got the right stuff overboard so that God could deliver the right stuff on board. Hallelujah. They lighten the ship. Verse number 20. Are you getting a picture of this? They're frightened. They're worried. They're in despair. They're in peril. So they lighten the ship. Verse 20. And when neither the sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay upon us. All hope that we should be saved was taken Away. So I want you to get this. The sun and the moon to sailors are instruments of navigation. It's the way they charted their course. It's the way they knew whether or not they were headed in the right direction. That's what storms are sent by your adversary to do. Blind you to the place that you can't adequately navigate your life. All of a sudden you get lost and you wind up someplace and look around and say, How did I ever get right here? What happened was you lost your sense of navigation. He blinded you to the sun and the stars. Now I don't know what your relationship is with your navigation of choice. I, I don't know if you have a love affair uh, with Waze. Anybody have the Waze app on your phone? Let me just see your hand. If you have Waze, lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. I'm going to see them. Come on. Lift up your hand. Waze. W-A-Z-E. 
Listen, if you don't have this app, it's the greatest navigational tool in the history of mankind. You don't believe me. This group, you guys are tough. I'm going to keep working on you right here. And listen, I love this app so much that I will plug in where I'm going even when I know where I'm going. Just so I can hear the little voice say, turn right in a thousand feet. It's just reassuring to me. I knew I was going to take a right, but just hearing the voice is reassuring. Amen. It gives me confidence. And, and you know what I love most of all is the recalculating route. Meaning that if you miss your turn... Right Then she comes on and she says, I'm recalculating your route. Amen. Can I preach to somebody in here and shout and tell you that even if you missed a few turns in your life, even if you feel like you have no idea where you are going, you have a navigational tool on board called the Holy Spirit that will make sure and find you an alternate route. You're going to get where God called you to one way or another. I just feel, I feel somebody's purpose and destiny are going to get a reroute tonight. I'm going to pray for you in a few moments for divine direction. I'm telling you, that God is about to come on board your vessel. Amen. And where there's been indecision, where you haven't known what to do, where you haven't known how to step into your purpose and your destiny, the Holy Ghost is about to climb on board your vessel and chart your course. And no matter what the adversary sins against you, you are going to get to the place God called you to. Hallelujah. They lost their sense of navigation. You know, there's two things, two necessary points that your navigational tool uses to chart your course. The first one is you got to know where you are. And the second is you got to know where you're going. With those two points of information, your navigational tool, whether it's in your car or on your phone, can get you where you're going. You know what we have a problem with so often in the body of Christ is honestly assessing where we are. Come on, let me just get real with you for a minute. Sometimes we've got to get in the mirror of the Word of God. Not, not, not the, not, not the, uh, the uh, what's the mirror? The one that says, uh, who's the fairest of them all? No, not that mirror. We got too many of those mirrors in our house. We got too many voices that we're looking for affirmation from instead of looking into the truth of God's word and allowing that truth to define the where that we are in life. As long as we're looking for voices of affirmation, all those voices are doing is affirming the lifestyle we've decided to live. We need the mirror of the Word of God to define for us where we are. And you know what? If we can't get honest about that before the Lord, 
where we're going doesn't matter. You can't get where you're going without first being honest with where you are. You know, we got to get honest before the Lord. There's some stuff that we have got to bear our hearts to so that he can speak to us divine direction about how we get into the destination that he has decided for our life. It was his voice that declared, I know the plans that I have for you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. I know the destination, but you have to be honest about where you are, where you are tonight, where you are in him. They lost their navigational tool. And Pastor Field, look at what this says. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. This is what storms do in our life. You go through a divorce and all of a sudden you lose all hope. You go through a bankruptcy, you lose all hope. Something happens in your health and you lose all hope. Miss Phyllis, I remember talking to you. You don't even know how it encouraged my faith when you were in some of the darkest times that you went through, and yet your face was aglow. You had lost some stuff, but you hadn't lost hope. I want to shout and tell you in here, the devil may take a whole lot from you, but as long as you hold on to your hope, hope will bring it all back into your life. Look at your neighbor and say, don't lose your hope. Don't lose your hope. Amen. You can take everything, but as long as I've got hope, my hope will get everything back. Now faith is the substance of things. Talk to me in this faith church. I said faith is the substance of things. The evidence of things not seen. As long as I hold on to my hope, I keep a hold of my purpose, a hold of my destiny. Amen. Look at verse number 22. Now, I like Paul. He's my kind of guy. He's not my favorite character in the Bible. My favorite character in the Bible is David. But Paul would run a close second. I want to talk to David first, but then I want to spend some time with Paul. I like Paul because he steps into the middle of this situation as a man who knows he's on assignment. Everybody say assignment. Say it like you mean it, assignment. Paul knows that he is on assignment, so it does not matter what happens in the middle. He knows that there is an end. And I'd like to prophesy that to somebody. Stop worrying about what's happening in the middle. You know you have an end. Paul was on assignment. And so he steps into the middle of this very difficult situation filled with fear and peril. And he looks at him and he says... The worst thing that you can say to people that are fearful and in the midst of peril, cheer up. Huh? Boy, that's a good one right there. You know what? Everything in your life is fed by your joy source. And when your joy leaves you faith is hard to come by peace is hard to come by strength is hard to come by endurance is hard to come by why because all of those characteristics are fed and nurtured by joy 
So when you shut off your joy, you shut off the fuel for your faith. Your Bible says that the joy of the Lord, oh, hallelujah, is your strength. Hallelujah. So if I, listen, I may be going through the fight of my life, but if I keep my joy, I'll keep my strength. And if I keep my strength, I'll win the battle that I'm walking through. Can I shout this to somebody? Cheer up. Hallelujah. You still got breath in your body. You still got a praise in your mouth. Touch three people and tell them, cheer up. Cheer up. Cheer up. Cheer up. Where's your joy at tonight? Now, some of y'all, I watched your praise on the way in. Where's your joy level? Our focus has got to be our joy level. Joy, your joy is like fuel. It feeds all of the characteristics of your faith. And when your joy level gets low, it's just like riding your car on empty. I have a wife who stays busy. We got four little Indian, well, they're not little anymore, 16, 15, 13, and 12. They got football and basketball and track and band and choir. And, of course, all their youth group and church activities. And so she runs a taxi She's up at 5 in the morning and she goes to bed after she gets it all done at night. And she is famous for riding her car on empty. And I'm at her all the time because the last thing that you want is your wife running out of gas somewhere in between here and there. Wherever here is and wherever there is. And so every time I get in her automobile, it, it is literally, listen, girls, when it goes past E, that's not good. Are you, right here, I'm right here. When it goes past E, not good. I, I think she wears it like a badge of honor. I made it. No, 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 it's not, I, saw, it's, I tell her all the time, it's not a good thing to just make it where you're going. I said, honey, listen, you've got, when it gets a half tank, it just doesn't make sense. Fill it up. I don't want to go to the gas station every day. She says, I'm busy. I'm in a hurry. Listen. When we get too busy and too in a hurry to tend to our joy, we will wind up flat on our back. All of our progress will be halted for the reason that we didn't pay attention to our joy meter. He said, Pastor, what does joy come from? Understand, joy and happiness are two different things. 
Happiness comes from happenings. Joy doesn't come from what happens to your life. Joy comes for what you know. I know in whom I have believed and I trust that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him unto that day. He is the joy of my salvation. Now, when you wake up every day, and you head down to the joy station and get your joy meter up. Come hell or high water, you'll get where you're supposed to go. Come whatever the adversary may send your life. If you stop and fill up at the joy meter, you'll feel like jumping over a troop, leaping over a wall. Amen. I like this. Paul's really teaching. But the very first thing he has to do is you got to cheer up. You know, it's almost hard to receive from God without joy. You notice people that when they come to the altar and they're broken and they're wounded, they don't know it, but they, they mostly receive a healing touch from God before he can really do and fill up their spirit with the blessing that he wants to release. Why? Because it's hard to receive without, without joy. I love it when it says, he will turn my mourning into dancing. That's what I'm talking about, a turnaround. That's, that's the kind of turnaround somebody is about to receive in this house tonight. You're going to walk up holding your ashes. But I got good news because he's still trading beauty for ashes every time. Hallelujah. Let me hurry. He said, he said cheer up. He said, because nobody's losing their life tonight. Let, let me just ask you. If you had a mindset spiritually every day that no matter what the enemy did to you, no matter what storm he brought into your life, that there was a confidence that said, not today, not today, mm-mm, not Today, yesterday I may have fallen for that. Not today. Yesterday I may not have had faith to push me through this kind of a fire, but not today. Yesterday I may have sat down and quit and gave up on the whole thing, but not today. Nobody's losing their life today. He said, because this night I had a visitation. You know what? Oftentimes, what cures our fears and brings healing to our pain is a visitation from God. Can I tell you, a visit from the Holy Ghost will solve a whole lot of our problems. It's amazing to me how, 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 pe how willing people are to come to church week after week and never receive a visitation from the Lord. I want to tell you, when I come to church, I need a visitation. Hallelujah. When I get into my prayer closet at home, I'm not going through the calisthenics. I don't got my egg timer out, and I'm not 
checking it off my list. I need a visitation from God because when God visits, everything in my life changes. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I just need God to visit. He said, I've had a visitation. And here's what God said. Don't fear, Paul. You're getting before Caesar. You know what? That should have brought confidence to every day Paul lived until that word came to pass. If God's given you a word about your life and your future and your destination and your destiny, understand that no matter what's happening in your today, this isn't the last day until what he said to you comes to pass. That you're going before Caesar. No matter what's happening in this day. And I love what Paul says, verse 25. I believe God. I need somebody to say that with me in here. Say, I believe God. Come on, say it until your own ears hear you say it. I, I believe God. I know what the doctor said, but I believe God. I know what's going on in our country, but I believe God. I know what's happening in our culture, but I believe God. I know what's taking place in my finances. Ah, but I believe God. I know what's happening in my physical body, but I believe God. When the storm is over, Paul said, not even a hair, verse 34, is going to fall from the heads of, either, either, of any one of you. Amen. Listen, if it can't take your hair, this is good for somebody. I said, if it can't take your hair, what are you afraid of? Can't even take my hair. I said, you're not going to lose a hair over all this. Verse 41. Let me get to the punchline. Falling into a place where two seas meet. You understand that you are always standing in a place between two. Always. You're not who you were, but you're not who you're going to be. You're in a place, some of you tonight, and you know what? When you're in between two, when you study this out, a place where two seas meet is a violent intersection. Two seas bumping up against each other, sending tidal waves crashing into one another. It's a violent intersection. And you know what? Sometimes there is violence in the moment we're living between over who we used to be and who God wants us to be. And sometimes we get caught up in that violent clash between the season that we were in and the season that we're longing to step into. And you know what comes between seasons oftentimes is a thing called hallways. Everybody say hallway. And you know what? A hallway is, is it's a path between two. A hallway is a space between where you were and where you're going. Understand, I, I live in a beautiful home, but there isn't one hallway in the whole place I'd like to live in. Hallways were not meant for camping out. 
And yet what happens to us when we get in the space between seasons and it gets violent, instead of striving to get to what's next, we start camping in the hallway. Show it to me, okay? The children of Israel were stepping out of Egypt and into the promised land. The problem was that in between the two, there was a hallway. Here's what happens when you decide to make a whole season out of your hallway. It postpones your purpose and you get stuck in the hallway. Somebody in this house tonight is living in a, in a space where two seas are violently crashing together in a hallway don't turn your hallway into a 40-year experience. You're not supposed to live there. That's just the space between the seasons of your life. Don't allow it to become a consistent season. Not in the hallway. Now watch. Now here's what happened. So the ship grounded and the Bible says that the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken by the violence of the waves. So what was in front of them was secure, even though what was behind them was broken in pieces. Can I prophesy to somebody in this room and tell you what's behind you may be shattered and splintered into a thousand pieces. What's in your past may be broken and you don't even want to talk about it. But I got good news. Your past may be broken, but your future is secure. What's behind you may be splintered. But what's in front of you, your future is secure in him. You, you may be spending too much of your time looking in the rearview mirror and seeing what's broken and not enough time looking into the mirror of the word of God so that he can show you the future that he has for you. The hind part broken, but the fore part was secure. I may not can make sense of my past, but I know the one who has already made sense of my future. I may not be able to go back and undo and erase and white out all the mistakes that I made in my past, but nothing in my past changed what he already said about my future. You can't allow your actions to undo his actions. I'm not allowing the failures that I made to undo the future that he paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to prophesy to you and tell you your future is secure. Even though what's behind you may be broken. Last verse of the Bible of this chapter says this some got to shore on broken pieces 
splinters. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing to me to think that you and I can still get to shore on broken pieces. And I don't know where you are tonight. And I know that usually when I'm here, it's much more of a vision and for the house. And tonight, I, I got a burden. Somebody in this room, you're looking at the storm of your life and you're judging your future by what you're going through right now. Can I tell you, Joseph couldn't judge his future based on the pit. Joseph couldn't judge his future based on Potiphar's house. And Joseph could not base his future based on the prison experience. Not when he knew that the palace was in his future. I'd like to stand up tonight and tell you, don't judge your future based on the storm that you've been walking through. Some of you are walking through storms nobody in your life knows anything about. Musicians, join me quickly. You're walking through a silent storm. But can I tell you, there's healing for those hidden things. And you know, you know when a storm, you've heard the, the, the term perfect. Storm. How many have heard, has heard this term? You know what a perfect storm is? Because we always judge the storms based on their severity, based on the damage that they cause. And what we forget is that sometimes the storm is not sent to your life to blow you off course. Sometimes the storm is sent to blow you on course. Some of you are walking through a storm, but can I tell you, it's not blowing you off course. It's about to blow you on course. Some of you are walking through difficulty, walking through pain and tragedy, and you don't know what to do because you feel like that you're getting further from your destination. Just know this, that when Paul landed on this little island, there was a revival waiting for him and an indigenous people that probably would have never heard the word unless the storm of Paul's life had redirected his purpose. I got to shout and tell somebody, you're about to land in a place where God's already moving and it's waiting on you to get there. Everybody in this house on your feet quickly. Father, we come to you tonight. I feel healing in the atmosphere. I feel a delivering touch about to be released all over this auditorium from left to right, front to back, side to side. I feel your spirit in this place. Somebody needs to know there's life after the storm. When the storm is over, you show up in purpose. When the storm is over, you land in the middle of a God move for your life. When you, when you allow the storm not to blow you off course, but on course, you show up in strength 
say, but pastor, I don't feel very strong. I'm sure Paul didn't feel very strong after his storm either. But when the viper leapt up out of the fire and latched hold of his arm, the Bible says that he shook it off back into the fire. Can I tell you that you're being strengthened in the middle of your storm in ways that you don't even know are possible? And the new attack that's about to show up, you're going to shake off in the fire. Let's just lift our hands. Come on, all over the room. All over the room, there's a new season about to arise in your life. Some of you have been looking at storm clouds for a lot of days now. Get ready. The sun is about to shine. You're in the middle of a perfect storm. God is about to move you into the center of your purpose. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Come on, if, you're, if you know you've been living in the middle of a storm, I dare you just to pour out your heart just for a second. Come on. Come on, church. Lift up your voice. Come on, pour out your heart. Father, in your name, move in this place. Father, in your name, quiet the storm. Shout peace in this room. Let every storm that's raging, let it cease to be. Push us in the direction of our purpose tonight. Help us to land in the middle of our destiny. In the name of Jesus, surround us with your glory. In Jesus' precious name. Come on, press just a minute, saints. Just a minute. Just a minute. Oh, I feel your Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, lift your hands, lift your hands. Hallelujah. Oh, God is about to quiet that storm. Father, in the name that's above every name, I release a peace in Jesus' name. Let the purpose and the destiny that you have equipped his life with, let it come alive in the name of Jesus even now. Oh, somebody shout with me tonight. Come on, lift up your voice, church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I want to do? I want to minister to those of you tonight that say, Pastor Ronnie, I hear the sound of my deliverance. And I hear my faith rising in the midst of this storm that I have been in and tonight I want you to agree with me in faith will you just throw your hand up real quick throw your hand up with me real quick wow okay that's a lot of you I want to minister to you you know let's do this I know it's Wednesday night and I know it's 8.30 and I know you have families I, I have a church and I try to get them out at 8.30 on Wednesday night just because I love them. And I want to do the same for you. 
They've asked me to take up an offering. Be seated just for a minute. I want to I minister to you in just a moment. I want you tonight. And, and here's the way I want to do this. I'm not good at taking up offerings for something I need. You know what I'm good at? I'm good at taking up offerings for something you need. And tonight, by the amount of hands that I saw, there are hearts and lives that are hurting. You're walking through the middle of a storm and it's been painful. Some of you, it's been a long duration that you've been holding on, believing God that the end would come. I want everybody, regardless of whether you raised your hand or not tonight, because here's what I know. There's only three kind of people in this room. Are y'all listening to me? The first kind are people that are in the middle of a storm. The second kind are people that just came from a storm. The third kind are people that may not even know it, but they're on their way to a storm. That's the only kind of people there are in here. You may not be in a storm tonight, but you know storms come out of nowhere. I want every person in this room to sow a seed. What that seed is, I know people ask me all the time, you know, Pastor, what should we sow? First thing I ask them is, what do you need? If you need God to do something incredible in your life, then you need to sow a seed that gets your attention. Amen? Everybody prepare your seed. Ushers, I want you to go ahead and bring the buckets quickly. Father, I ask you in the next five minutes that you would release peace to every storm in every life represented in this room. I believe that there is a new season that is being released in your life tonight. I want to declare over you the season of weeping is over. Somebody needs a shout right there. I said the season of weeping in your life is officially over. Dry your eyes, honey, because God is about to show up for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Continue to prepare your seeds. I still see some of you writing. Continue to prepare your seeds. Amen. Everybody on your feet, if you are finished preparing your seed, I want you to go ahead and come. If you would like me to agree with you in prayer, just stay down front for a minute. And I want to agree with you in prayer. Come on, everybody. Everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you tonight for an absolute release and a cessation of the storm in this life. I speak healing now to the mind. I speak peace now to the spirit. Hey, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Even now, Jesus, we receive by faith in Jesus' name. Oh, Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you now, Father God, for the work of your hands being released in Jesus' name.
hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Receive now in Jesus' name. <laughs> Look at me, honey. God is about to put a smile on your beautiful face. You've struggled to smile for some time now. And you've said, well, I don't have a reason. Well, God's about to give you a reason. You've still got breath in your body. There's a reason for you to smile because the life in front of you is a whole lot bigger than the life behind you. In the name of Jesus, we receive now by faith. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands, lift your hands. Father, we thank you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Listen to me. The door that's about to open, God, this is just the best way I know to interpret it. The door that's about to open, God wants you to know, is better and bigger than the door that closed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you're looking for God to open doors bigger than the ones he, that have been closed in your life, come on, just lift up your hands. Father, we receive now. We receive now by faith in Jesus' precious name. Oh, hallelujah, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Lift those hands. Father, we receive now a brand new season. We thank you that that old season is gone. We thank you for the lessons we've learned. We thank you for the revelations that we received in the midst of the fire. We know we wouldn't have received anywhere else. But tonight, we rejoice in a newness. Do a new thing, Father. In Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, do you all have children? You want another child. Has there been disappointments in not being able to conceive? Well, I just want you to know... Uh, when I came to lay hands on you, babies is what I saw. And I just, I just want to encourage you. He is the author and the giver of our life. And I just thank you, Father God. Oh, hallelujah. We remove the obstacles in Jesus' name. And for it, we'll give you all the praise. We give them back to you in advance. Like little Samuels in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, if you're ready for God to do some new things in your life, somebody shout yes. Because I feel new happening tonight. Come on, I feel new. Come on, I feel new. Father, I receive new in Jesus' name. Do a new thing. Start a new thing in me tonight. Let the disappointment over what happened be eclipsed by what she holds in her hand. 
Hallelujah, Jesus, we thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift those hands. Receive in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Bless in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Father. Do a new thing. Do a new thing in this family. Do a new thing in Jesus' name. Oh, Father God, let the joy of the new morning drown out the pain of the midnight that we've suffered. And for it, we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Listen, that worry, that cloud of worry is coming off of your life. You are not waking up to clouds anymore. You better set an alarm for in the morning because you're about to get the best night's sleep that you've got in the last 90 days. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're needing God to give you rest, just lift your hands. Lift them high. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for divine and glorious rest. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for divine and glorious rest in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who, who, who over here, the struggle has been physical? Hallelujah. Just lift your hands because I just feel, I feel a healing release that stops the storm you've been walking through. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. We're not afraid of outcomes that have not shown up yet. Our faith is in the truth of the reality of the Word of God, which declares by His stripes, we are healed. Somebody shout for healing right now. Come on. Come on and lift up your voice and praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lift those hands. Now, Jesus. Peace, be still. Father, we receive now. Now, Jesus, we receive. In Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive now. Receive now. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we speak peace be still. Peace be still. Oh, hallelujah. I speak strength to you now from the top of your head to the sole of your foot. Every cell, every fiber, every muscle, every bone energized with the strength of the Lord. Jesus' precious name.
Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Receive peace now. That's it. Just stand and receive the peace. <laughs> the peace of Almighty God. In Jesus' precious name. No more weeping. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. In Jesus' precious name. For it, we give you all the glory and all of the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody on your feet, put your hands together and let's give the Lord a great praise tonight. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, there's life after the storm. And the storm is over. In Jesus' name, God bless you. message oh my goodness we've all been in those storms we've all come through them and like he said sometimes just on a little bit of a little piece of wood but listen I'm gonna pray for you and uh, dismiss you and you guys go and have a wonderful week Heavenly Father we just come before you in the name of Jesus God I thank you for the man of God tonight I thank you for him preaching a word that was due in this season that we, each and every one of us, needed to hear this. And God, I thank you for that, that you're sowing into our lives so that we can grow. God, I ask you to watch over each and every person as they travel home tonight. Watch them during the week and bring them back healthy and happy Sunday morning in Jesus' name. Pastor will be here Sunday. 